SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapete on SAFM. Jamie, it's been a long time, brother. How are you? I'm well under the COVID-19 pandemic conditions. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You should be well. We do appreciate that. We can't take it for granted, of course. Yeah. Let's talk, Bob Mabena. Let's talk, Stella Ndabeni Abrams. That woman just can't get herself out of the media for the wrong reasons. Let's talk Zuma's apology and what this does politically for him, for Anacom, for the party, for whatever. What do you anticipate for tomorrow's National Command Council meeting in anticipation of the August 15 deadline? And of course, Zimbabwe, 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 Zimbabwe. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, where do you want us to start? I mean, I'm still very shocked about um, finding out about that Bob, and it's really, I think, it's hitting everybody in the industry hard. You know, um, it just came at a curveball. And just last week, he was speaking about the ANC investigating itself and how the fire pool was the last uh, outcome of that kind of investigation. He was cracking jokes with faith. And now he's gone. So I think um, it's just, it's, it's heavy. It's a reminder that this is a strange year. We are, as the mm. young ones like to say, in the upside down. And and really, I think many of us are hoping and praying for that return to what we used to call normal, which we also thought was bad. But now at least there's been some perspective and um, it's just it's it's heavy, so I think that that would be my opening statement of our dialogue today. Sure, no, it is heavy, and the broadcast fraternity, I'm sure, will take time to reflect on the legacy that has been Bob Maben. I mean, many of us, um, certainly my generation, would recall the early '90s. It was a way in which we were able, as youngsters at the time, for sure, then to engage the newfound democracy. He was, of course, on our television screens in a program then called Studio Mix with Melanie Bala now, but Melanie's son at the time. And, of course, they were the original celebrities. I mean, they were the the original, everything that is now what, Entertainment TV, MTV, Vuzu, all of these entertainment channels. They were at the time in 93, 94, and a little while after that, found on a Friday evening together with the late now Vinolia Mashiko. And I suppose this is coming to, as a society, we have to gr- come to grips with the fact that well, the nation that was started out in 1994, some of those architects, one by one, are leaving us and we have to keep remodeling ourselves as a nation, keep redefining ourselves and finding those people who can carry particular narratives and carry them well, yes? Yeah, I think a lot of big shoes are being left to fill and um, we're going to have to see how the generations that are now presently participating in nation building and narrative formation and public discourse do fill in those big shoes, but I do think you're absolutely right that the legacy of Ndate Bob has been a massive one and the one that definitely needs to be unpacked and properly celebrated, even in these times where, you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of um, sure. drama just because of the nature of the year, American elections, COVID-19, explosions and earthquakes. We must still take time to celebrate some of the icons of South African uh, media and of broadcast history in this country, in the new democracy. Fantastic. 891 for those who wish to contribute. Stella, the August 29 March, Zuma, the meeting that's taking place with President Ramaphosa and his cabinet tomorrow. 
Bob Mabena, of course, passed away earlier today. Condolences to friends and family. 0891-104-207. Give us a call. Anything else that you want to talk about? Yesterday was, of course, Women's Day and celebrated today because it falls on a Sunday. The day immediately thereafter becomes a public holiday. We've got Mr. Mighty Jamie for another couple of minutes on the line. Jamie, what's going on politically, man? People so, bowing I mean, down to Stella. Yeah, she tells us the 2018 picture. Who cares? I mean, the fact is she allowed it to happen. I don't buy this excuse that the person is disabled. And if the gentleman is disabled, then she had a responsibility as at that point to literally and figuratively uplift him, uplift him and his dignity, give him confidence, meet the gentleman, an elder to her, eye to eye, and engage each other. And don't allow the gentleman to be portrayed in an image of inferiority where then she self grandizes that image. I mean, we saw it late last year at the National People's Assembly in December last year, Malema, people, members of the party buying down to him. What is it with new politicians finding fame in spaces of vulnerability? What is, what's that all about? Well, look, I, I totally understand your viewpoint. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that uh, maybe she was not thoughtful of uh, optics of whatever was happening on that particular day. And that, um, you know, this could be what we can call, a, you know, a, maybe a yellow card as opposed to a red card. But I do think that uh, Ms. Bevin Abrams has been found to not be communicating and using her, her office in the most, um, you know, useful manner because to continuously call attention to yourself and to continuously be found in these positions where criticism can be levied your way is not quite the kind of thing you would expect from a communications uh, person at the helm of such a department. So I do also think that there is a lot of sensitivity right now from the public around these kind of things because of exactly what you've mentioned, that um, politicians seem to continuously self-aggrandize and self-elevate at the expense of the poor. Mm. And oftentimes it's because, you know, there is that power differential that the poor recognize, you know, They've seen this person on TV, they arrive in these big cars, and that we have this kind of phenomena. And I do think that we ought to be sensitive towards it wherever we see it. Um, and, and even though some defenses have been offered in both instances, I do totally understand why we need to be wary of that, because that is how you end up with dictators. That is how you end up with dogmatic dictators who, who refuse to be challenged. But uh, in my personal view, I'm, I'm going to just give a benefit of the doubt on this particular narrative, but still say that all of the concerns that you've raised, I think, are very valid and we ought to be watching out for. Two yellow cards is the equivalent of a red card in any event. When does she get her red card? When does she get her marching orders to understand that she is no longer operating at any other level, but the highest this country is all about? She's an ambassador domestically as well as internationally. Ustela has had her runs in, if not with the law, with her PR or lack thereof. At some point, somebody has got to own up to what they do or don't do and made absolutely accountable. Final comments on this matter? Well, I, I think, look, um, the PR, um, um, you know, blunders of, of, of Ms. Bethany Abrams are well documented now. And there definitely needs to be a reflection and a, a course correction in terms of just how she interacts with the public, whether it's posting old videos or fancy cars or this particular footage or just, you know, violating uh, COVID-19 regulations. I think uh, the block is hard for her, so to speak, and she needs to really uh, dial down her public engagement and uh, 
assume a more professional diplomatic demeanor in, in her public conversations because of all sure. of these four parts, which uh, we've all discussed up until this point. Fantastic. Fair point. Let's take a short break. You'll be with us for another five minutes. For those who want to engage the days of the weekend, the public holiday today, your thoughts are most welcome on 0891-104-207. Guest political analyst and podcaster, Mr. Mighty Jamie, is on the line for a few more minutes. One call might do the trick. Nothing conventional on The Viewpoint. Call Songhez or now 0891-104-207. Of course, this is The Viewpoint. And on Mondays, starting at the beginning of this month, we have an open line for the first 20 or so minutes just to get South Africans to talk about things that are topical in their minds, uppermost in their thoughts, and things that just want to get off their chest from the weekend that would have been. This is the second weekend where we are trying this. It doesn't seem to be getting the kind of traction we thought it would. But nonetheless, we do have a guest analyst in political analyst and podcaster, Mr. Mighty Jamie, talking all things about Bob Mabena, Stella and Abin Abrams of Delft with those two. Let's talk about Herman Mashaba's organized march, the 29 August Citizen March, so ostensibly against xenophobia and putting South Africans first. Your thoughts on that, Jamie? Well, I think Mr. Mashaba is towing a very fine line in all of his activities up until this point. And I do think that this Put South Africans First narrative has got the potential to go a direction which may be difficult to uh, course correct once it takes on a darker tone. Because there are some who use it as a platform for xenophobia as opposed to a platform for quality conversation about immigration. That word, immigration. Is there a case to be made that South Africans ought to be put first or must be put first? Is there a case to be made that border control has to be better managed? Is there a case to be made that South Africa seems to be losing the fight in relation to immigration? If, for instance, the fact that just recently 80 undocumented nationals were arrested for illegal mining in Gauteng, that's just one spot you find as many as 80 undocumented persons. In other words, these people are here illegally. And, of course, the number is greater depending on where in the country you are. The context of South Africa and immigration is very much a topical one right now. How do you think South Africans should really be engaging this issue in the context of the hashtag, put South Africans first? Well, you know, the, the issue of immigration must always also examine the push factors. The reason why you have a lot of Mexicans who found their way to America is because there's a drug war that has decimated Mexico. And as a result of that drug war and the failure to manage it, a lot of Mexicans then immigrated to America. Similarly, when you consider the region, there are two extreme events that are happening currently. There's terrorism in northern Mozambique, and that could lead people in that region to find that it's no longer safe for them to live there. And you have mm. a military regime, which is functioning in Zimbabwe, which has been the largest push factor for immigration that has been seen in the Sadak region ever since Umpekane. One could say that this is Umpekane 2, actually, because the brutality that uh, Emerson Nangagwa and Robert Mugabe have exerted on their people is so uh, extreme and so harsh that some of them have found it unsafe to continue to live there because they, are, they abduct you for having a political opinion. They kill people. They arrest people. And um, the, the brutality is extensive. So... What I'm saying is one of the things that we definitely need to consider in our concerns around immigration is what are the push factors? And if we do not address those push factors, 
There is no extent of sense, there is no extent of legislation that can prevent people who are running away from being killed or dying of starvation that will be effective. I mean, Donald no, Trump has been trying to raise to build a wall, and they have been using ICE and several other organizations, but there is still undocumented immigration from Mexico into America. So that is definitely a critical point, which is why I think supporting movements such as Zimbabwean Lives Matter is important. Having said that, I think it's also important to recognize that there is a bit of um, slippery conversation which happens in the discussion around immigration in general. For example, sometimes we'll have discourse around what they call um, fake goods, right? But they'll say, look, these people are selling us fake goods. But those, those products come legally from China and all of these Hong Kongs or whatever we may want to call them, they, they are actually legal products for people to sell in the country. And if we have concerns about um, dumping of goods uh, in the South African market, that is really a conversation that we ought to have with um, China. That is a conversation we ought to have with the shipping companies that bring in the containers of goods uh, from China. But then we do have to have a conversation which is reasonable and rational around the competition for certain jobs between uh, local South Africans and um, legally present foreign nationals. Because a lot of people don't recognize that South Africa has issued special dispensation visas to a lot of uh, Zimbabweans who were coming into South Africa in a period where in the Mugabe period was at its worst, as well as when there were periods of electoral violence. So those are people who can work within the system legally, but obviously there's a competition for jobs in certain sectors, the restaurant sector, the, the, the truck driver sector seems to be... No, you're a, absolutely a, a right. No, point. you're absolutely right. I think you've raised a couple of points that are triggering, and I'm just guided a little bit by time here, so I'm going to have to let you go there, Mr. Um, Mighty Jamie. Thank you so much for your thoughts.